what helped me on all these journeys was being adaptable and being able to learn quickly. I would say, Georgie, ultimately, you know, like being able to learn skills quickly, languages quickly, just just figuring it out. And and I think that would also happen with the situation with Sean or or in that studio was. Um, yeah, we would go away after this meeting and um, we would be, we would get very little time with him, you know, for the rest of that project. We would have to schedule it. It would be very concise, particular, and we would have to go away and iterate and make our own assumptions. Like he left a lot of open space for you to interpret what that was. And some people had worked with him so long that they understood what that space could be. Um, and, and I kind of observed and watched and, and, and tried to figure that out. And um, I think multiple factors it depends on the day oh, you got him on it depends on all those things i think um he you know as as anyone with that level of of desire they're quite passionate and that can turn into frustration ultimately with you know certain directions it may or may not have gone but i think there was enough people around him that kind of had a high level like you could call them partners or associates that that kept an eye on things to make sure it didn't go in a totally wrong way um, because, you know, we have all seen and, and some things have never been published, obviously, with this competition documentary that never came out. And um, it was about all the star architects. And, you know, if if something wasn't feeling right, I think, it, you know, if you were in a, you, you could have got in a spot of bother with with the people above and Jean himself. But I tended not to take that too seriously or personally. And I, naivety, again, probably helps a lot here. Um, I can't speak for everyone in the studio, but, um, you know, you know, I was grateful to be in the position I was in. So I just did what I had to do to figure it out. And, and eventually I did figure out the formula. It's, it's just learning a language when you, when you're working for him, it's learning his language, basically. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Insider podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure to talk with Alexander Bukaric, who is an Irish architect based in New York City. He works at Snark Architecture, which is this very small but very boutique and famous um, architecture office that is renowned around the globe. Before working there, he was used to work also at Janovelle, which is one of the topics we covered in this conversation. Before we start, I want to thank you for watching this podcast and I want to remind you that if you want to support the show, you can do that for free by just clicking the subscribe button below this video. And that would be very, very helpful if you also uh, could like, comment this video with your thoughts. I'm really curious to read them. And also you'll help the algorithm to bring us a little bit up and uh, reach on a brighter audience. Also, we have a very small Patreon community you can join. By joining the community, you'll be able to watch every single podcast episode live and participate in the live chat where you can ask your own questions to every single guest. And also participate in our monthly sessions where we discover what could be a topic that we can tackle together that's very relevant for every single creative um, business or career so i hope to see you there too the cost is just five bucks a month and you'll be part of the real insiders thank you very much once again and now enjoy the conversation with alexander bookerich Alex, welcome to the Creative Insider Podcast. We're officially live. I'm super excited to be talking to you because uh, you are director at Snarkitecture. Uh, it's yes. 
I didn't know the company before we connected. It was and I saw the the Instagram page. And for me, it was very impressive that uh, there is this very popular page, High Snobiety, which uh, mm-hmm. spreads all these uh, cool things around in, on their page of, of, across yeah. all kind of design media. And they follow you guys. So I was like, started checking uh, the project. So I'm curious if you can explain exactly what is Snarkitecture, because from the website um, and from my little research that I did, it didn't seem it's like it seems a very famous office, uh, but it doesn't seem it does these huge developments. It seems mm-hmm. to me more like a boutique architecture, more like uh, also crazy cool interiors and things. So can you explain more? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, big picture is architecture is uh, the, the story of the practice comes from uh, uh, Lewis Carroll poem, which is called The Hunting of the Snark. And um, the idea of that is that there's this kind of group of, there's this crew on this fictitious kind of vessel that are going in search, search for a snark is the name of the creature. And um, we're essentially the crew, uh, it, like, you know, hypothetically speaking, and we're searching for the snark, which is the idea, uh, the conceptual idea. And I think it's important to start here because this studio is kind of coming from a fictional uh, stance. We're not coming from a very like, you know, X and X partners or or whatever. It's non-traditional. It's, uh, it's looking at architectural in a different way. So uh, finally, snark architecture became this idea of hunting for the snark, the idea and, and architecture and, and doing a wordplay and mixing them together. And I think that kind of creates the kind of the, the genesis of this, the studio. So um, yeah, it was founded by uh, two partners called uh, Alex and Daniel. And one is an artist uh, and the other is an art, art architect. So uh, from that also, there's, there's this interesting uh, intersection between art and architecture. So yeah, we're not, we're not, do, you know, it, it, we're not doing traditional uh, typical, capital A architecture we're, we're trying to explore the boundary between both disciplines and so and that started out with kind of installations and kind of like what manipulating buildings essentially and, and surfaces and you know as time has gone on it's become more permanent built structures and interiors and uh, I think the beauty of, of the practice is is applying a certain thinking that we can get into that um yeah that that allows for it to be yeah applied to all different typologies and all different types of of projects so uh you know i can be working on a piece of furniture one day and then and also in that afternoon i'm working on a massive facade permanent uh piece for a, you know a building in in the middle east so it, the, the the breadth of work is quite um something and it's very fascinating to to jump through those scales it, it really um it, it really, it's, it's very yeah, invigorating, I guess. No, definitely. Now, now that you said a little bit about the story, the backstory of the office, you clearly can uh, see how this is embedded in the design philosophy also, because a lot right. of the um, projects, uh, the, probably the, the, the right word to describe them, it, they look a little bit surreal. And they like yes. a little bit of a combination between art and architecture, which it's mm-hmm. kind of the founders, right? You said they're two, right. two, two people from one from architecture and one from art. So kind of cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. They both met uh, met in Cooper Union, and uh, they actually met in the workshop. Uh, so one was doing sculptural uh, fabrication for yeah sculptures, and, and Alex was doing models for architectural models. And then it's it's that interesting cross pollination of both coming together and and sparking a dialogue that created this practice ultimately. And that that has then manifested over the course of like 15 years now into a kind of a fascinating space that we 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 play with with buildings and we play with with uh, surfaces and, and and all that. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting um, position. Um, it's it, the studio. It's I'm curious. It's based in New York, as far as I understood. Yeah. And uh, how many people are you guys? So, you know, we're quite a small studio. Um, we're, we're quite lean and, and efficient in that regard. I mean, we, we run on anything from between 8 to 12 to 15. It depends on, on projects and, and what's going on uh, over the course of that year. But, you know, it's, it's a small operation. We're, we were in, in kind of Brooklyn. We're now in Manhattan. But, you know, I think for a long time, the studio was, was in Brooklyn with Daniel's art practice and, and our kind of architectural side. And it was, you know, a big warehouse space. And, and there was a lot of interesting moments happening. I think the best one person described it when they visited me was, it's like a monochromatic Willy Wonka factory because you had prototypes and pieces of, of everything you were working on scattered all over the you know the studio and it was also very fascinating to be engaged with people with different backgrounds with sculpture or fabrication and seeing them kind of work on on parts of their projects that you could just kind of have little conversations and um yeah so you know we we kind of went we started there and and we've been there for a while and now we're, we're we've moved and shift over to manhattan where um we're more uh the architectural side yeah totally and then as you mentioned new york i was there last year and you can totally see that the city it's uh, made to kind of generate these connections between different disciplines also there are these uh, areas like chelsea mid-packing district uh dumbo it's like this super and 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 the beauty of new york is it's so dense so that it's kind of like squeezing all these minds together so there are so many collaborations uh, in new york I, i can think about um i don't know if you know the youtuber casey neistat he didn't know anything about video but he ended up working for an artist and started doing videos on on his prototypes and then he started doing filming and so that's I think New York, it's made for these things. So, so it's uh, totally like, sounds like the, a child of New York, the, this uh, yeah, creative yeah. practice. I, I, that's, that's a great way of, of understanding it. I mean, everything you said there is the reason how, uh, why I came to New York is, is the coming together of all these minds and, and people and, and kind of finding your way within that and, and finding these opportunities to work on stuff that I don't think this practice could exist uh, in any other city but New York, you know, to, to get exposure, to, to be in the middle, to find people who are willing to give us a shot to create that kind of work. I know that, like, you know, being Irish and from Ireland, um, which is, Ireland is the size of Brooklyn. Like, that's to put it into scale in terms of population and everything. It, that's that's just Ireland there, you know? So, um, yeah, it's it's 
it's given it's it's definitely got the right dynamic for uh, a practice like an architecture to exist and to be somewhat successful yeah of course and i also what i noticed that um people are super excited about these new things and um the there is this very weird uh, chaos but also bonding between the people everybody feels new yorker and they feel super proud of their um their city and 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 when there is something new and cool they feel like kind of proud of this uh coolness that they <laughs> spread around so i can totally totally understand uh the the whole office um but uh, as you might know in our podcast we like to like take a large uh, turn and a large journey across the <laughs> the life of every guest so for me it's interesting uh, now that we have gotten a little bit of a hint of what uh, an architecture is um it would be curious to me to uh, learn more about your background uh, and um to start s since the beginning of your journey how come mm. you decided to become an architect uh, back in Ireland Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I grew up in Ireland and uh in rural Ireland, so you know, I'm I'm from the countryside and my I guess the easiest way is my dad was and is a civil engineer and my mom is a musician and so you've got that science and art thing going on that I think uh played out through me in some ways and uh the kind of funniest thing i can remember of is is me and my brother in the room that we both stayed in uh, back in that house there my dad started his business from there so there was me two single beds me and my brother and then my dad and his plotter and you know and it was, so it was a strange dynamic but it was um it, it it was kind of inherently ingrained in me an interest in like in a pursuit to like follow I guess my dad in some ways in that you always, you always as a child look up to a certain figure and, and more times or not, you look up to your dad or, or to someone in a role like that. And I think that was kind of where I started and I'm wanting to be him. And then I guess you go on that journey subconsciously of, of, you know, sitting in his car, he went to all building sites and I'm just looking out the window, watching him interact with contractors and subcontractors. And then we're going to the next site and kind of, I eventually started to, Uh, work with him just because I was interested in it and then I ended up going working on the building sites with uh, friends of his that he, he built out that network and so there was this kind of always me putting one foot in the industry um, and then yeah there was the other foot that was even putting it further in an arts artistic way so I think all of it led to architecture ultimately and for me kind of deciding to give it a shot and um I think it's an yeah, it's a never-ending journey. I mean, like some days I still find it hard to define what I am, and, and we can get into that further with what an architecture does. Um, but um, there was at an age I made a decision to go down an architectural degree route, and I think um, I'm still evolving. I think into what that is. Did you did you get your education in Ireland or did you yeah. move so, abroad? Um, I, I I got a I got a three year bachelor bachelor's of science in in, in Ireland in a, a university called uh, Waterford Institute of Technology and then I did Erasmus in Brussels for a year at uh, La Combra La Combra Horte and then I went back and I finished it and got a bachelor's of architecture in Ireland so it was it was a five year in total and. Um, that journey was kind of, yeah, it was really fun. And I think the the kind of point where things started to change a bit was when I left Ireland and actually went on the Erasmus and started to meet 
uh, European community of Italian, Spanish, German, and um, and understanding more about like what thing you know the world about Europe and about like what architecture could do for me and and actually take me on a bigger journey potentially that wasn't just about uh, making buildings, but also creating connections, communities, and, and actually, yeah, exploring different avenues. So like when, when I went to, to Brussels, I ended up actually studying art, architecture and landscape design. It's, it was a, it was a studio. I had, I had four choices and now thinking back on it, I think that had quite an influence on me because it made me realize that I could probably take this in a different direction Slightly. And uh, yeah, I remember, you know, making videos and film and exploring different mediums as to how to express architecture and having those conversations, some of them in broken French slash uh, Flemish, but, uh, you know, meeting people and, and, and then driving you in different ways to understand what our profession is. And I think as I went on that journey, I always questioned what was it that we uh, could do and achieve as architects, not only as people of, you know, guardians of society to a certain degree, but also master builders. And, and, and I went on to question that further into the artistic realm and uh, landscape and, and so forth. So, um, so that was my education and um, eventually led me into the professional realm. Yeah, um, I think... I had a similar experience because I went from Italy to Germany. So mm. the Erasmus is a very beautiful experience for us Europeans. Uh, I, I'm going to briefly explain to anyone who is listening, to, who maybe it's from somewhere else around the world. We have these exchange programs where you can go for a year or a couple of years or just a semester from your home country and attend uh, the equivalent exams in another country and then you met you meet all these people from all around Europe and I think it's a beautiful experience because it connects us as a generation, makes feel as European, which is the goal. And in every year there are statistics of how many uh, Erasmus families and Erasmus kids are also created uh, thanks to this program. So it's it's a really cool thing. And, and for me it was also kind of cool to to see this different approach that because you fly just an hour or two and uh, you're in a completely different world and culture in Europe. Um, so what was for you the difference between Ireland and Belgium? What were like for you the biggest um, maybe eye-opening moments or something that really hit you, the, 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 Bel the Belgian approach to compared to the Ireland one, because also you come from a master of science, so maybe it was a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think um, I think where I came from was a place where um, I think the work of David Chipperfield and Grafton Architects and that kind of yeah, space was quite um, influential in our education. And, and I think when I went over to Belgium and its proximity to, to Holland and to France and a couple of those countries, but I would say particularly to, to Holland, there, I started to see a different way of architecture that was evolving. And, and like, we all, you know, understand what Ren Kulas has done for, for architecture and how he has kind of been a pioneer of, of a different way of thinking. And I think a lot of that started to open my mind a bit more. I started to meet professors that were trained or had exposure to that thinking as uh, MVRDV, all, all that kind of, uh, Dutch, I would say, almost um, mentality of uh, innovative, bold design that thought about it in a different way. I think that really started to make me wonder, 
a lot more. I, I, and, and after, I guess, the, that actual Erasmus that I did, I ended up doing an internship in Amsterdam uh, with, uh, with a distant relative of mine, actually, that uh, my grandmother established from the newspaper. And um, he's, he was an Irish guy who moved, moved over there in 1995, and he won the European Four, I think it was. So, you know, it was, it was, he was really carving out that kind of classical architectural route to take to try and, and get buildings built. And his name is Don Murphy, and he runs VMX Architects. And I think, you know, between the experience in Belgium and then going to Amsterdam on a train and, and getting Don to basically give me an internship, which uh, was, you know, a favor ultimately. And I appreciated his, his wanting to take me under his wing and show me what ways architecture could be done. And I think also what, 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 uh, what the life of an architect to a certain degree, because when you're in the studio and you work with your professors, you kind of understand it as, you know, selling concepts ultimately and, and, and making the best concept possible or the most interesting to that jury. Or, but, you know, getting to live with Don and, and, and do that internship showed me kind of a different way of, of life, uh, yeah, a way of life with him. And, um, and, and the work he was doing actually is extremely impressive and is still to date. So uh, I would say that, that those things really started to shape me into really opening up my mind to the practice of architecture and the possibility of architecture. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very grateful to, to him for kind of sitting me down and basically saying, this is the kind of life you want to have. Uh, you know, you, you can do it, basically. And that was your first uh, internship. And, and what was your transition to the professional world? Did you ever work in Ireland or you started being a yeah. globetrotter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, obviously my dad was dabbling in architecture, but you know, I I wouldn't say he was doing architecture. He was he was making houses, um, which is important. But uh, it was uh, a lot of people would tell me he was kind of ruining the landscape of Ireland. So um, that, oh, that, yeah, yeah, that's it's kind so of mean to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, we 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 have that conversation together all the time, and and in some ways, I'm on my own journey to kind of rectify that. Um, but I think that. Um, yeah, I, I did practice in Ireland. So I, I in my first year in college, I didn't uh, make it through the first year. And that, you know, I got a bit excited. It was your first year in college. You were, you know, you left home. And so some of the examinations didn't go to plan. And so I had to repeat first year, basically, the second portion of it. And then the, so the first semester, I actually had to get a job. And I think there was, I got, came to a crossing point there about, did I really want to do this, you know, uh, did I want to do architecture? And a friend of mine, yeah, I, I, again, a guy decided to take me under his wing for a few months just to do like a kind of a very, very basic internship. I mean, I was just kind of walking around the office observing and observing what they were all doing. But I remember this guy in particular um, sat me down one day in his, in his, in his office and he just said, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed every day that I've worked um, in this profession and I love getting up and making and doing what I'm doing. And there was just this, there was just this passion and this like lifestyle and this way of life that he kind of expressed that I could get, you know, that I kind of understood, right. This is something that's not just a, a nine to five, that it's a way of life and it's a way of thinking and that I, I think I can do this. So I honestly went back after I had made a total mess of my first year and I decided to get a bit more serious about it, and I decided to get a bit more, um, yeah, I to 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 really 
push through with being an, and being an architect at that point. So, um, yeah, I had, I had a job in a kind of a local, uh, architectural practice and really I can just remember that conversation again and, and taking advice from people, um, on, on, on what journey I should be on. And, uh, from there on at what point you felt like Ireland, it's maybe a too small of a stage and to take uh, again, the leap of moving somewhere else. Cause, uh, you've been quite in a few places before New York, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was always, I was quite curious and, and, you know, again, I think your family and your first community helped with that exposure and we traveled around France and, uh, we did the classic, get the boat over and do camping around Europe and, and stuff like that. So I was always, that was my most excited, you know, I was excited to see things and understand things, go to markets, go to vintage, uh, whatever, uh, flea markets and, and see kind of buildings done differently. And so, I think that was always inherently in the back of my mind, but um, I would say I, 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 yeah, I think going on the Erasmus and making that decision to kind of like um, th- this might be, I, I need to open up a few different avenues and, and unlock some stuff in my, in my thinking. And I, I, I acknowledge it through friends ahead of me who were probably doing it in, in my university. I think they may, might've come back and said, Oh my God, that experience that I had or, um, and those people, I would have kind of said, right, well, yeah, why don't I give that a shot? You know, what, what, you know, I, I think I, I had a curiosity, I guess, to kind of see other ways of doing things and that itch just had to be scratched ultimately. And I couldn't, I couldn't stay and I couldn't sit there and not understand more. And so what was the next move? Where did you, where did you go? So, um, so when, after I finished my degree, I went, ironically, I started helping out my dad again. So the story comes around in circles. So, um, I was actually sitting in, in my dad's office, which is really, uh, yeah, at the back of our house. And I got a phone call from a lecturer in my university to say that I'd been put forward for this kind of scholarship to do a, an internship ultimately, but this program in, in Paris. And so I, 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 yeah, I took the opportunity, of course. And uh, at the time, we were also not in a good economic place. It was 2000, and I think this was around 2012, and things weren't picking up. And our, Ireland was now, let's just bear in mind, was really badly hit. I mean, just the, the construction industry, everything was was in a really bad place. So a lot of people, there actually was no choice. So like, there, was, there wasn't even the luxury of staying or going. I think a lot of people had to just go. Um, and that's the history of our country, ultimately. There's a huge immigration situation that occurs because it's such a small country. It it's, can only facilitate so much. And um, so the phone call took it. And uh, I said, right, I'm going to get a boulder. I think I actually took a boat to, to France for the sake of it. And um, I started with a company called SCAU, who um, they're called SCO, and they work on huge kind of uh, cultural projects in France mostly. But then the most notable would be the Stade de France. The original partners would have actually won the competition, and they 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 grew from that. I mean, they've done tons of new stadiums. Uh, they were doing. I was working on a zoo when I was there. And uh, yeah, that, that, that kind of was my first kind of, yeah, getting out to the profession properly and, and actually going by myself with a bag on my back and wondering, what can I do here and what can I find out about things? Um, and I didn't have any French, like I stopped learning that completely. So um, I kind of just went with a smile, a couple of pastries and like, let's give this a shot, ultimately. 
Well, but um, I, I guess you have had a great portfolio because the first internship you've done at the VMX Architects, I mean, that's a great office. Like still, I mean, yeah. today it's probably way bigger than the time you were there. And um, it's Dutch architecture. It's top notch in the world, probably together with Danish architecture um, and all the Scandinavia and Germany, yeah. probably. So yeah. have you been, have you been, I'm curious because you make it sound so flawless, right? So that you just decided to go to, to France, yeah, but, but I mean, have you been very compared to your equals or to your surroundings that are of the people that are in, were in the same uh, field? Have you been particularly skilled or talented or somehow, you know, um, coming out among the rest of the people, yeah. so to say? I mean, look, I, I would allow my, my colleagues and peers speak to the talent part, but I think that... Um, there was a part of it that ultimately that like got me in the position to be put forward for this this role as an intern in in, in France, and I think the lecturers saw something in me that that I could pull this off essentially. But I would say, you know, ambition is a huge part of it. Ultimately, I had a very like you know a desire and a hunger and an ambition to pursue any of these kind of things. Like I, I would never sit there and, and ultimately wait for the call or. I was like, I was trying to ring Don. I was trying to contact VMX to make sure I got in. There was this kind of like constant like need to to want to mingle essentially with some people who really know what they're doing in the profession. And I think that like I I could acknowledge that and I could recognize who potentially these kind of people were. And and I, all I was asking for was a conversation or a shot to see if I could also. Um, yeah, perform or be involved at that level. And uh, I, so I, I think, yeah, I can remember just even being in, in, in my university. And again, coming back to not, you know, getting on well in my first year, I think there was a huge shift in, shift in my mentality after that, where somewhat I felt like a failure, you know? I felt like I had failed. And um, when I came out of that, I just had this kind of really kind of burning desire to try and mix with the top of the top in our profession and see what this is all about. And, and that, that became working extremely hard in, in college and it became uh, networking kind of like, which is what that word is now, but just like knocking on doors and just saying, Hey, look, um, you know, and being, yeah, probably being 95% of the time told not, this is nothing happening. Sorry, but I will keep you in mind. But I just, you just pers uh, perseverance, I would say ambition got me to, get in the door at the at the first place in, in company in France and uh I think talent is there too but um and luck you know I think a lot of people say that too I mean my sister would say that I'm I'm always you know if I dropped drop me out of a burning building I'd still land on my two feet and just walk away and just dust myself off so part of it is luck but um I I've thought about that more actually recently and I think you've got to be a bit of an opportunist and um, I, any kind of sniff of an opportunity that I see, I tend to make about four more out of it. So that's where luck comes from is, is finding those spaces where you could find an opportunity and somehow finding more opportunities within that. And that's how I ended up in France. And that's how the story will continue. How further opportunities came out of that eventually. I have a curiosity because you you're a very interesting uh, uh, person so far, um, mm. and uh, you mentioned uh, quite a few times that you 
mentioned this expression, uh, being an architect, uh, also mm. now challenging yourself with the best in the field, with the best in the industry, mm. which is um, most of the time, you know, the, the dream of every architect. Um, but mm, well, probably at, at least it's driven in the beginning by a little bit of naivete when we start with architecture, uh, that architecture is this... Um, <laughs> What you learn in school, it's like the tip of the iceberg, let's say, from what really architecture is, from the moment you have an idea in your mind to make it physical. Um, mm -hmm. And what, what, is your, what is your drive? What is your motivation? What, is, what makes you go through this? Um, because let's, let's, let's be honest, like architecture it's super, can be super uh, fun and uh, very rewarding, especially when you accomplish something, it's very physical. You can literally walk through your ideas when they become reality. Mm. Uh, but it's also a lot of, you know, let's call it suffering because first of all, the yeah. creative process is a little bit difficult because you start always from uh, a white canvas. Um, then let's say it's not like, I don't know, you become an architect and if you end up working at the biggest office, you get super rich because they pay you super high salaries. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not because you have an easy job that you leave at four in the afternoon. So what is your personal drive? Like, what do you love? What, what makes you go through? It made you went through also, let's say, going abroad and leaving your family and your friends. It's also not an easy step, you know? So, it's, so what is yeah, your yeah. drive? I'm curious, what is your power in, in internal flame? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think... A part of me has this kind of word, which is, you know, curiosity ultimately. And it's like, one thing is that I'm always kind of curious as to how we can do things in different ways and how we can experiment with things in different ways and, and, and practice, I guess, architecture in different ways. And that, that, that kind of thinking has kind of, is definitely something that gets me out of the bed in the morning to try and evolve that or try to test, you know, test that out and see if there's different ways of seeing things. And, I think I've always been interested in putting in a uh, putting a different lens on looking at um, practice and, and looking at design and and how you know I think driving me essentially is like getting in a space with people and experimenting with you know art buildings and, and spaces and places and and um, in, it's just somewhat making a, a bit more of a positive impact uh, on places I would say ultimately so that. One thing that really frustrates me is looking at the same repetition of of buildings and surfaces and street walks essentially you know in majority of i would even say north america right now you know it's 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 all standardized and it's all part of the fabric uh, the urban fabric right now and and I think what excites me is to try and go against that a little bit and and not not in any way that it's 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 uh, revolutionary or anything i'm I'm not trying to say that but I, to pioneer a bit more for that and to try and like companies like Snow Architecture, you know, who are trying to create environments ultimately that, that do st stop people as they walk through them and say, wow, you know, what, what is this? Why am I here? And what, what is it doing? It's creating a sense of presence. And I think all that kind of factors really, um, which is, I, I, I've been evolving that and throughout my career now, but that's kind of where I find my most passion about is, is, is that element of design and, and how it can do that for people and for places. And, you know, something more I'm thinking about lately is, is this aspect with the planet as well. And, 
um, you know, just, just all those factors and, and our profession, I find it very uh, inspiring. Yeah, definitely. I was curious, like I'm curious to discover this more and more often in the in the future. Also, podcasts and episodes to go a little bit under the surface and more on a deeper mm. le deeper level because um, we have had different people from different backgrounds. Also, even a um, couple of uh, architects, Jake and Erin, they're uh, Harvard graduate and they started this consulting company called Out of Architecture because mm. unfortunately there is. Um, you know a lot of um it's a very it's a very big dichotomy in this industry because it's something that everybody starts out of a passion and when something it start uh, started out of a passion and out of love uh money don't play a role and sometimes you end up being used or overworked or um end up being um frustrated with some things um, so I yes. want to try to also to explore more the positive uh, side as you to understand what is your motivation, what is like, what was your drive, you know, because I mean, uh, when we are in our own bubble, we underestimate our own achievements, maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe for you, it's totally natural to work for an architecture or all the other offices work. But seen from the outside, it's kind of remarkable. So that's interesting to, you know, understand how these kind of people like you tick in their mind. What is their drive? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Georgia, there's a certain amount of, you know, I created, I, I definitely sat down and, and thought about the path I wanted to go on. I just didn't know how that path was never going to be linear. So, you know, all these companies... There was, there was, I had, I had key components of what I was interested in, whether, and we still haven't touched on, I, I guess, going into work with Jean Nouvel and stuff, which, you know, that obviously shaped a huge part of me now, but, it, you know, there was this understanding of getting over to Europe, understanding the, the way they were thinking, the way they, on mainland Europe, uh, how they were practicing architecture, and then kind of coming back, getting, getting my degree, and then going saying, right, I got to go back into a certain degree and, and getting that opportunity. And then I went back over and I think I always just could see that like, you know, for example, when I ended up, did get a job at Atelier Jean Nouvel, um, my thesis, there was components of his work in it. So there's, it's not completely disconnected in some ways. And, and there was this interest in kind of sensor, sensorial architecture. There was an interest in kind of contextual architecture I had, like I've had some strong teams probably as I've kind of went through uh, my education, but also through uh, documenting and, and reading and writing and, and stuff like that as I've kind of developed. And so I kind of tried to pinpoint things and, and, and hoped it, you know, I really hoped I could get them. Um, but it, I, I, one thing that I think is, is super important is that if you don't kind of try to figure out what it is you, that that vision that you're looking for, that way that you're trying to get to, you can just go like a ping pong ball through the different firms and, you know, end up um, just, I, I guess I had to just carve out a very direct route that maybe sometimes I had to say no to a job and that meant having no money and that mean, meant moving in with my parents and, um And at other times when the right opportunity came, I, I kind of jumped at it and uh, went for it fully. So um, it's, I think a part of it is like when you're in, in, in kind of university or whatever, it's, 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 it's really finding your voice and, and, your, and what is it 
you're interested in within that area and trying to find that afterwards within the profession. And it's a really, really hard thing to do. Like it's so hard because you don't get that choice ultimately. But if you have a bit of passion and ambition about it and like you do hear that there's some kind of a calling and follow it, sometimes it can happen, you know, and it can work. And I think like, I feel like I'm still at like a very, I'm like still 5% into this journey, to be honest. And like, I'm still on this route and I'm opening doors and some of them I'll walk through and some of them I won't, you know, and, and, um, and the ones you go through people get, Oh, he should be here. You know, you feel like you're meant to be in this, you get you, people get you and, and they kind of bring you in and, and are willing to give you time and space to learn from them. And I think, yeah, I think, I would always sit down and theorize and, and be kind of very intentional, I guess, with, with my ideas. Um, and, and at the same time, that sounds quite serious. You know, it sounds like you know, almost like, a, but I, I'm, I'm also, I would, I wouldn't say to a certain degree, I think I guess with work I, I can be, but when it comes to me as a person, I'm quite the opposite ultimately. Um, so it's hard to get that from me. Yeah. Um, what what was your vision um, back then, and why uh, you mentioned in your thesis there were elements of Jean Novel, and mm. why Jean Novel, and why you what what play uh, what uh, role played the Jean Novel time for you in your long term vision, or what attracted mm. you to Jean Novel? I'm I'm curious because, uh, for example, mm, it's so funny because uh, everyone has their own. Um, as you said, vision. And once you mm. get your focus, you kind of more goal-oriented, let's say. And for example, for me, Jean Nouvel, um, it was never like, um, I don't know, my role, but it's not because I don't uh, respect or don't like Jean Nouvel. It's just uh, the world is so different and there are so many yeah, examples out there so that you cannot, uh, I mean, I know... I've uh, also personally visited some uh, buildings of Jean Nouvel in Barcelona, the the tower, yes. which is very famous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm curious what what was for you. For example, I'm very attracted to the Danish architecture because yeah. when I um, read uh, some books uh, also from Jan Gell and from their concept of the city and their concept of uh, creating this space for living, I, mm. it's something clicked for me. It was like, yeah, this, this is what I was looking for. Uh, what was for you with with French architecture in Jean Nouvel? Yeah, I, th I think, yeah, he, he I, when I was kind of doing my research and I've gone through a lot of these characters, whether it's Peter Zumfer or um, Daniel Liebskin or any of those guys, but I think with Jean Nouvel, um, I had a bunch more kind of understanding of where he was coming from. And I think a project that I could speak to is probably he did this tower that never got built in the um, La Défense, uh, just outside of the Paris and the Perifique. And uh, it was actually kind of, it was proposed as a competition probably when I was just, uh, you know, in 1988, but it was called Tour Sans Fan. And it was an idea of going from the earth to the sky. Um, and it was kind of like a gradient of darkness to light. And there was this poetry uh, within it that I started to kind of, relate to is the best way to put it and um i could understand that when i started to read about him more and i started to you know look at documentaries or youtube videos or anything the way he spoke about architecture um is what i understood it, 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 how it could be created as well so there's a huge imagination aspect to what he does and then there's this layer of 
of contextual architecture where he finds like the DNA of places and transforms that into something that exists in this time and place. So using technology that's relevant in society today, plus the fusion of what what's going on in culture and society. And it's kind of like bringing all these ingredients together to create this building that's ultimately something complete, completely imaginative and poetic and beautiful. And, um, and you know, Jean has his own thing around the art and the architecture thing. I think he himself is quite confused or uh, would almost say he's an artist as well. So there was that too going on with him and, and he was, he was, they all start to do different uh, typologies and they all start to do different, like, you know, fashion, uh, furniture and all that stuff. So he was applying that thinking elsewhere as well. But it wasn't until I got in there that I realized was because, you know, it's it's all well and good reading and, and writing and all that. But when you get in there, it's obviously the reality of the situation. So it wasn't until I got in and found my feet and started working with him and, and under him did I start to realize where this was going and why this guy was so special, you know, and that was extraordinary. Um, like I did a couple of competitions, um, of course, and, uh, I did that for a while and, and working with him on those and whether that was, we were doing stuff in London or we were doing stuff in the Middle East. Um, it was, it was quite, quite like an experience to go into a room with him and watch him, operate you know i think the imagination this this individual has is just beyond anything you know it's it's coming up with you know he he inputs all the data a very knowledgeable person but when all the data goes into his head it's like processing and the next thing it's coming out with a narrative for how potentially this place could be and, and could live and it can exist and how it feels and looks and so you're documenting all this through through writing and through through trying to understand what jean is saying and it's 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 just it's extremely you know, a, a, a really intense creative situation that I've, I've never actually, you know, I was never in that before. And that showed me a way different way of, of how they practice. And in some ways it's quite efficient now that I see, but like in other ways it's a, yeah. What I couldn't believe is like a guy who was 75 uh, could still think like a child of three, you know, and like, you know, life and reality and all the parameters of building and, 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 and economics and politics. And yet, Jean had this desire to just just fly above all that, just 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 not listen to it, and just to, to just to drive home dreams essentially. And and yeah, I, I just I just you know, I, I th- and then I spent four years there. So you know, the, the proofs you know that's that's why I ended up there for so long. Is is I I drank the Kool Aid, Georgie. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Uh, one thing that I have experienced um, by talking to different people from. Um, it's so like it's for me it's really interesting because I get to talk to you and I talk to many yeah. other people like this is episode over 120 now uh, yeah, so yeah. you can imagine I have a yeah, yeah. a big background now by talking also to artists and uh, one thing I yeah. heard you can uh, yeah. tell me your experience is that um, but when you work with um, these characters that are so um, talented and they're so yeah. As you said, they have a clear vision. They have these super um, developed imaginations. Sometimes yeah. when you don't match in your outcome uh, their <laughs> imagination, it can get <laughs> kind of heated on. Uh, is that also yeah. a case? or Because um, I've heard stories from other architecture yeah. companies. I'm not going to make names. that sure. um, no. It's, you know, you have to be very... 
comprehensive sometimes so yeah. with uh, with this kind of figures because as you said they have a strong uh, personality strong uh, imagination um mm. so was that also a case because i it's called a creative yeah, insider because we want to discover everything <laughs> yeah yeah look i think you know um part part of what what helped me on all these journeys was being adaptable and being able to learn quickly. I would say, Georgie, ultimately, you know, like being able to learn skills quickly, languages quickly, just, just figuring it out. And and I think that would also happen with the situation with Sean or, or in that studio was, um, yeah, we would go away after this meeting and um, we would be, we would get very little time with him, you know, for the rest of that project, we would have to schedule it. It would be very concise, particular, and we would have to go away and iterate and make our own assumptions. Like he left a lot of open space for you to interpret what that was. And some people had worked with him so long that they understood what that space could be. Um, and, and I kind of observed and watched and, and, and tried to figure that out. And um, I think multiple factors, it depends on the day oh, you got him on. It depends on all those things. I think, um, he, you know, as, as anyone with that level of, of desire, they're quite passionate and that can turn into frustration ultimately with, you know, certain directions it may or may not have gone. But I think there was enough people around him that kind of had a high level, like you could call them partners or associates that, that kept an eye on things to make sure it didn't go in a totally wrong way. Um, because, you know, we have all seen and, and some things have never been published, obviously, with this competition documentary that never came out. And um, it was about all the star architects. And, you know, if if something wasn't feeling right, I think, it, you know, if you were in a, you, you could have got in a spot of bother with with the people above and Jean himself. But I tended not to take that too seriously or personally. And I, naivety, again, probably helps a lot here. Um, I can't speak for everyone in the studio, but, um, you know, you know, I was grateful to be in the position I was in. So I just did what I had to do to figure it out. And, and eventually I did figure out the formula. It's, it's just learning a language when you, when you're working for him, it's learning his language basically. Yeah. It's also every work. It's also building a relationship uh, in some, yeah. some form. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's, a trust, you know, um, that's a big one for him. Yes. Yes, of course. Um, and after the four years there, that was then the next move was finally to get the classic Irish uh, road towards the States or were there other adventures in Europe before moving Ooh. to the new continent? Um, no, no, you're, you're right. I think, I think the Irish thing to the States was definitely one thing. I, I think that I think back on it, some of this stuff was, as I said, was like I had this vision of what I wanted to do and be but then there's moments within that where I've kind of gone off the rate. I've gone off track completely. And like when I was in Belgium, uh, I worked in a bar part-time an Irish bar, of course, to make extra money to travel. And when I was in that bar, I remember a guy approached me and he had this, I don't know, there was this connection and quite serious. And he said, look, he said, one thing I want you to do and you should do in your life is live in New York once. And it, that I, I can't remember that moment sat with me. And uh, I always kept it in the back of my mind that, yeah, maybe I should do it. But he was like, make sure you leave it, you know, before it gets you, before it eats you up. And I was like, okay. And here I am still. So I'm a little bit worried when I'm going to get eaten up, you know. But uh, that, that, that sat with me. And, and I would say people always on a journey, I always like appreciate like connecting. So anyway, I eventually finished in France and, and I just after four years in the French system and in, in Paris, I just felt like I needed 
something bigger, something, um, yeah, something a bit more closer to home in some ways, I would say, just in terms of like, there's a huge Irish community over here, as you can imagine. And uh, yeah, so I had some friends here that, that, that also helped with the transition. And I just took a flight over and I started interviewing in a couple of firms to see what I could do. And, and um, I think at this point, I took a little step back from my very strict vision of what I was wanting to be. And I just kind of wanted to move somewhere that didn't depict, you know, I, I'd gone to France because of the work. And then I'd worked with Jean for four years because of the work. And so this time I wanted to move because of another reason. But ultimately, it wasn't a bad place to be because, you know, every practicing architect is here. So I had a lot of friends, accumulation of that, accumulation of I had a relationship that that uh, had ended. So I was like, you know what? I need a clean slate. Yeah. And uh, how does it work uh, for, uh, did you need to apply and get a job first in order to get the visa? Because a big topic when moving to yeah. the States, it's a visa. So what's the first, uh, I mean, I guess that at that point with your background, um, four years yeah. at Jean Novel, yeah. a lot yeah. of doors were open to you right. around the world. Yeah. So I did look at other places. I did look at, uh, I think Australia for a little bit. Um, but I wanted to go to an English speaking country at that point. That was the decision. Um, and yeah, I, I flew over on an ESTA visa, which is your, your, your basic holiday one. And I lined up five or six interviews, I think. And then, so I took two, three weeks off the beauty of France and living in France is the holidays and the vacations. So, you know, I took a block of time and I flew out and I said, maybe I can make, you know, maybe something can happen in, in the States. So I met some companies, um, you know, it was a little bit more commercial than I was expecting of it and, and not in my zone. But I, I said, why not? I, I'll chat and figure it out. I also, I would say at this point, I had kind of figured out a lot of the conceptual and creative stuff, but I was wanting to kind of go on a bit of a direction that would hone in my technical and more kind of like your chartered uh, experience. So I was also, I would say at the start of that, more leaning into starting that journey. So I ended up, you know, going, uh, joining and got an offer, thankfully, with a practice that were operating in more of a technical area. And they were doing a lot of renovations in Brooklyn, Dumbo and buildings and large scale, but um, willing to give me the chance because like, this is the hard thing in our profession is that if if I stayed on that tra trajectory with John, I kind of knew where it was going and, and eventually where, where it could end. But I, I couldn't get the exposure to the breadths and depths of the, of the industry because they were focused on competitions and SD levels and then SD would get sent out and to AOR. And then it's, it's over with, with that community and, and it's, it's taken out of the office. And I, I was hoping to kind of start to learn more about how do these things get built properly in depth. And um, so then I got, Sorry I, I, for I did my, that. For my ignorance, what is exactly is SD? What does it stand for? So, so over over in, in the US and, and in France, to a certain degree, terminology is a little bit different, but usually you do your concept uh, like phase and then you have a schematic design phase. Oh, okay, which schematic is, design, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, it's a slight evolution of the design, of, of bringing more structure to it, shape, form, yeah. etc. So this is and where you know, Novell focuses and then it goes to further companies that make it real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a basic level, the, the projects in France, they, they stayed in, 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 in all the phases, but the projects everywhere in the world would be developed yeah, to a yeah. certain level. 
and then taken on because look ultimately it makes sense the the expertise of the studio were lying in selling of ideas ultimately exactly exactly um so i went to one of the other offices basically like and and, and that was extremely difficult i would say um to go from one extreme to the other and start to understand things through excel sheets and um what scares me what scares me the most of the states uh something completely not so sexy um sorry for interrupting you i wanted to to ask you uh like the measures like the met going from away from the metric system um where more or less i feel confident and comfortable because we have our standard measures and moving mm-hmm. to f- square feet and inches and quarter of an inch and three quarters of an inch. Yeah, it's a real yeah, mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's truly is a real mess. Honestly, um, I would say only about a year ago, it started to sink in and I'm here six years. So I was kind of in, I was always in thinking in meters and, and kind of ch- translating that through little apps basically all day, every day and square meters and, um, it's it's real shift of mindset, but you know it's like it was like learning the French. It took like three years, and basically it sank in then. Um, but yeah, that 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 was a bit, that that's a bit different. And you know, I think businesses business over here a bit more. It's uh, it's it's a bit more um, driven by numbers uh, for sure. And uh, once you move there, how many years are you now in New York? So about six years now. Oh, so it's a, already a longer journey than the Jean Nouvel one. Um, yeah, yeah. I, how was in term with getting your license there? And also you needed... The the problem with architecture is that you kind of can do it all over the world because people are yeah. people and they have the same size and they need the same spaces. But the problem is that uh, because it's so regulated and there are so many constrictions beside all the creative processes that once you move, you kind of start from block one yeah. yeah so you can be they tell you oh you work in Genovelle in france very nice but here it's america so we yeah, don't yeah. care <laughs> start all over again well yeah so this this was a big issue i i actually faced so i i tried to do them in ireland and that didn't really translate that well because of the hours in a different country and and so forth so when i when i got to the u.s um uh, a friend of mine mentioned that there was the Reba were running a U.S. chapter. Uh, essentially, they would fly over a couple of professors and they would run a program that would get you certified and licensed as a U.K. Uh, architect uh, in the U.S. So when I saw it, I was like, right, this is worth a shot. Um, and uh, the system was pretty, you know, it was a little bit more straightforward in terms of like in the U.S., you've got to sit six exams. It's, it's only per state. So the, the you know getting licensed in New York is totally different somewhat to getting licensed in California. So um, to me that didn't feel flexible enough probably. So I wanted a bit more. I wanted to get the 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 UK one that would then allow me actually translate it to the Irish one. There's a direct uh, translation. And so I I did that. I sat. I, I took it over a course of eighteen months and I followed a project in CA. Um, in Soho, essentially. So the so the job had to give me that. So I, I really changed, I would say, my journey a little bit to get that roundedness as an architect. And um, I, I was working more on construction. I was working more on the detailing materiality, RFIs, uh, submittals, and um, 
honing in like what it meant to see something go from a piece of paper to a building. And um, that's where I came across Ollie and, and he was involved in the final chapter of that for me. And, um, and then it was, it was a great, it was really worth it. I will say I found it like quite not, not the, that part, but I found working in a more corporate office, uh, very challenging for someone who was always in with, uh, imaginative space and a creative space. And, um, looking back on it now, it does make me realize that every chopper, there is positivity in every job that you take. There's always something you can learn from it. And, I've had a few that I haven't mentioned uh, yet that, but you know, not all of them worked out as well as, as, as these ones particularly had that we've spoken about in depth. I think like that job in particular was quite challenging. And like, you know, I did have, you know, issues getting up to speed on, on the, you know, technical side of it and the kind of the more pragmatic side of architecture, the numbers, the, the, some stuff you just don't come close to it with Nouvelle. And, um, that was, that was hard. You know, I felt like I was back at first year of college failing again, honestly, you know, it was really hard. Uh, it was a really steep learning curve, but, uh, but looking back on it after doing, I think I did two and a half years of that and getting licensed and getting the trust and, and, and that education through that practice, which are called S9 architecture. Um, I, I, I became a better architect ultimately or designer because it was just, it wasn't straightforward. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can understand that. I had the same experience because in Italy, the culture is to keep you as theoretical as possible because exactly mm-hmm. these figures, like, um, let's say for me, the Italian Gian Novellis Massimiliano Fuxas, and he's really, yes. uh, really strong figure in Italian architecture and literally to keep you this, you know, uh, form follows fiction. <laughs> Um, theory and then when i came to germany everything was focused on buildability of um how you gonna very nice concept you imagine very nice thing now how are we gonna make it reality how are we gonna make it buildable and i discovered that there is um i find beauty in having an idea that can be translated into reality you know to i have have a love of for me, the most satisfying um, moments of my career so far is when I went to a building and it was built and I could yeah. see that the workers had executed the construction detail that I had uh, designed and it works or the, you have invented some solution that the user is going to love. Maybe something really stupid, like uh, the windows work a little bit better than they would be. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm wondering... Um, because you have this background of the highest level of concept design yeah. to going to this very in-depth detailing and construction documentation. Yeah. What is for you the most satisfying elements in the architecture process? What is what you love mostly? There's there's different parts of it, but you know, for me and what's happening quite recently is is when we're getting projects built is is seeing people in the space and actually interacting with it and being there and it's done and it's real and it's tangible and getting feedback you know and and i think we can get into a bit more about kind of where i'm at now and and i've seen that process quite a lot in the last three years and it's simple things like getting a dm from uh, a worker in a huge store and restaurant we designed and saying i love coming to i love coming to work every day cuz it's such a beautiful place to work and 
I mean, that's one example, but I think that um, it's, 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 yeah, it's a getting to really experience all that hard work and all that thought and theory, plus the layers of, of technicality and, and execution that goes into it to get it to that final place is, is honestly one part that I find extremely rewarding. But another part I really enjoy is that journey you go on with the people. So the client, the consultants, all those people, it's a real kind of a journey as a group together. And I, I actually enjoy that. Some people don't get as much satisfaction out of that, but, um, I, I find that really rewarding because I find that like there is moments when it gets difficult and there is moments when there's difficulty, like trying to sell the idea and then trying to get the idea built on a budget on a, on a blah, blah, blah. Um, but getting to the end with them and still having a good relationship, that's, that's success to me, you know? Um, and then there's one other part of it that obviously, you know, I'll always have uh, beauty, you know, attachment to is that initial kind of ideation and creation of where we're headed. So like taking a map, but there's no, there's no directions and setting those directions and building it out. Uh, I think that's something I've always been passionate about, but I find myself for, not further away from, but more letting that happen and, and just, um, coordinating it more so, but I find that part probably also extremely, uh, yeah, enjoyable. And, uh, how did you end up actually at, uh, architecture since, um, because you're six years now in New York. Yeah. So about three years ago, I, I joined the practice and I think it's, it, 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 be, it becomes that conversation that we're having George around the uh, creative and the technical and, I guess once I rounded out with uh, somewhat rounded out as a professional in those two areas, I was seeking, there was a couple of things I was seeking to build. I wanted to get things built uh, more and I wanted to go down in scales to see things happen. But also I'd always had some architecture uh, as a studio that I admired for their work and, and the conversation there, they always have around uh, that intersection that we spoke about at the very start. And um I had applied originally when I came over, but, you know, crickets. So um, I eventually ended up uh, getting a conversation going with them. And, at, you know, they were interested in, in someone with my experience as well, not only in, in creative, but also in the technical end and coming in and making it was just a perfect timing. Ultimately, I was looking to, to kind of get projects going i was also looking to i'd worked on a lot of large-scale projects i would say like towers cultural institutes uh big renovations and i the duration of time was so long I mean, we all know this it's like five to seven years for some of these buildings to get done and i think at that point i just wanted to be in projects experience them and making them happen and so snark architecture was in a perfect kind of a scale for that um so the philosophy plus uh, the type of work that was there, um, all kind of those ingredients came together for me to go forward with that choice and to kind of ultimately grow to where I am now with them. And um, that's how it happened. It kind of came around 2019 uh, that I got a, I got a job there and um, I ended up, you know, brought in to lead, lead a few projects and uh, things and, and evolve and, and now I'm a director there where I'm using all of this stuff that we're talking about and applying it um, with more interest in business. I've got much more interest in management and like using those skills to, um, you know, give people tools to, to, to make things and create things that are quite, you know, creative and, and imaginative. Um, but I do have a desire around now the business side of it too. So that's, that's helpful. 
because yeah. you know I've seen in different places that the numbers don't match. Yeah, uh, what I can now that I know you more or less yeah. your story, and now that I see the work that Snarkitecture does, I can totally see why you fit within this uh, company because um, if if someone like I let's say I. Uh, pretend to have some uh, understanding of uh, the architecture process by by working myself in it for now seven years yeah, and I yeah. see you guys do these projects that uh, for people that maybe are not so much in architecture or that uh, don't understand that the, the depth um, maybe a pr particular uh, brickwork uh, or a particular opening or a particular cut or a particular detail um, that's yeah. the fruit of, that's the result of this concept design, these ideas to yeah. create the yeah. form that follows a certain fiction, but that yes. it, in, it needs the craftsmanship of somebody oh, that yeah. understands yeah. how we can use the bricks, how we can use certain materials, which material can follow the shape, how we can achieve this effect. And I guess in the business side too is also how we can make it uh, payable, <laughs> how we can not yeah, break yeah. the the safe for, for this uh, for this project. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on there that that are quite challenging on on a daily basis for the studio. You know, because uh, it's it's nothing is typical, no, nothing is off the shelf. Uh, everything is is more or less custom, and that comes with the idea of a boutique firm and. Um, Yeah, that, that, that part of like, you know, having to really work and build close relationships with fabricators and clients and, 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 and um, different, uh, yeah, stakeholders in the project ultimately that will allow you to go on that journey and to figure it out. And I'd say like, you know, we do do a lot of transforming uh, ordinary things. So as you said, like doors or windows that are kind of, you know, created to be extraordinary is, is the idea is to make architecture perform the unexpected is, is what our tagline would be. And, um, that comes with excitement, I would say from a lot of the people involved. And like, we're lucky that I would say 90% of work that contractors or, um, subcontractors, fabricators do is, is kind of like, they want to work with us because they want to do something that challenges them. And I think that's the good, that's the best way of looking at it in terms of like, when I'm, when I'm going to bid out this and I'm trying to get the right, you know, price for the client and, and, and all that stuff is more nitty gritties. Um, we're trying to bring on the right person that has the energy that wants to actually do this with us and like actually going to put, there needs to be of extra time. You know, there needs to be a bit more work in the drawings together. There's more time in the model, uh, figuring out like, will this, how these two things will come together. And, um, so I think it requires more discipline, more commitment, uh, more, you know, on all of the levels of design and detailing to ensure it's at a certain quality and, that would be my role to a certain degree in the studio as well now is like ensuring that these relationships are all operating well, but also that things that are coming together, whether it's from the creative side or the technical side are being executed at the level that we expect, but that our client would expect too. And um, it's, it, that's where I'm getting the thrill out of at the moment with my career now, right now is, is this point of like, if, of overseeing all that and, and, getting to see the enjoyment on, on, from the staff of like when they're growing and they're learning and I get, I get an enjoyment out of seeing them kind of become, uh, an egg, another, another tool, like they're putting more layers on their, on their, 
whatever armor, let's say, or they're learning more. And, um, and also with the contractors too, and, and all them, it brings me back to it. My dad, to a certain degree, when I used to watch him out working with them and seeing him in field and like, you know, he was, as I said, destroying the Irish landscape, which was extremely harsh, but it's like, I now see myself in that role and I'm trying to figure things out and to create an imaginary landscape now. And I think, you know, there's some beauty in that now and it's kind of coming a bit full circle but then again, I'm as I said, probably five percent true right now. So, it's, and I, uh, and, I, and I guess also in your case, you said you're a relatively small studio, and yeah. the things that you do are very, um, as you said, uh, personalized, very customed. Let's say for the exact fitting, exact project. So yeah. you have also a, a probably a quite different relationship with your uh, with the um, different. Um, c- companies on the construction site with the different yeah, contractors would, because would, yeah. pro- probably you have to have a collaboration right because yes. i'm gonna imagine if you're gonna build uh i'm watching i'm looking now at the image of a bench out of marble with some uh yeah. <laughs> with some particular openings or some particular yeah, yeah, yeah. you need an expert that works with marble and that can tell you how this thing could be done because i guess in-house knowledge about every single possible um, contrast that you can make with materials and shape it's impossible yes you know you you need to kind of like you know you've got to find these guys get a rolodex and and call them and and actually there's a lot of extra work to get the right fit for executing that particular thing and that happens over years you know you do build up as we all know these this network of of people who who contribute to your projects and and help us to to make these ideas and um but yeah we do plug in i I think a big part of it is we do plug into larger scale things certain things we do ourselves like kit paris would be an example where it was a quite a large renovation of a project off the the champs elysees and and that was that was you know we kind of led that whole process so we went from like instead of plugging in we just we kind of went through almost all the phases except for cd construction documents and we had a local architect do that. But, you know, there is certain projects like we, we do like retail stores or restaurants where we do take a, a lead. And then when it starts to go at a certain scale, we would follow, we'll be a consultant ultimately for a UN studio or for, you know, other practices that we, we, we've worked with. And uh, how does the um, creative process at this company works? And um how does what are the tools that you guys use um, hands on to make mm-hmm. uh, things happen? Because um, you mentioned the founders um, are there again as um, like overlooking the projects in the same style as Jean Nouvel. And what are the the tools in really in matter of software or other mm. um, yeah other things that you guys use because i see that uh, sometimes the projects involve um creating uh you know a funny contrast where the wall turns into uh sort of a how do you say like a, a blanket or something soft or you have uh some orb that it's uh, fluctuating out of marble or you use uh, a, an object like a um, shoe and repeat it in a certain shape yeah um yeah so i guess you don't go into the realm of of beam or things like that because that's i don't know in my opinion yeah. i don't know maybe you can contradict right. Right. that doesn't make no, any sense right. for this but maybe no, no. some parametric architecture or stuff like that you guys use 
Yeah. Um, so for starting out like with our creative process, I think um, there's a within that book that I alluded to the the hunting of the snark where the practice originally you know, got the name from, there's a page in that book and it's a map of the world that they're going and searching for, but it's a blank map. There's nothing on it. So I always like to think of that when we're starting the creative process about putting a blank piece of paper with, you know, a square within it and thinking about, right, let's let go of all preconceptive notions of what, you know, this thing should be or why it's like that. And we all sit down and we come up with a bit of a, we have a brief, but we come up with, some big theme concepts, right? With, with, a, with, with in the entire team. So it's not just like the particular uh, project lead and the members assigned, it'll actually be the whole group of us. And we'll think about, you know, topics and themes, but there are principles, Georgie, that like we use, and you can probably see that with what you've been saying. It's, you know, there's this idea of always the projects need to have a playful aspect to them. They need to be immersive. They need to create unexpected moments. There needs to be a sense of wonder within the project. So, there, there's a there's a there's a good few of these that we roll out that we 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 that set a framework uh, a very big picture framework, and then we allow kind of ideas to kind of come from that, and we'll shape that into a few angles. This will develop into uh, this thing called a sketch session, and what we'll do is, uh, uh, you know, and our best example would be to take something small here, and um, so for example. Uh, a light fixture we work with uh, different manufacturers in italy and in sweden etc and sometimes they'll ask us to do a collection so we'll sit down with this light and we'll do we'll everyone will take a piece of paper basically and a, and a pencil and we'll create like a grid of four squares and we'll apply kind of like uh, a theme to the page so like an action for example like melting dripping erosion um, other things like you know industrial just just thematic and then put the light with it and what does that mean you know so it's combining two things to create something different and that's a very small example of something that we would do that would build up a sketch kind of like we would do a couple of versions of that so you'd end up with a pile and it would then be assigned to the project lead to take the pile and to sift through it and find out well what what is in this that could be of interest for us to pursue with the client and to, to for the studio to invest into as well um, and so we'll come out with three directions from that. And those three directions will be developed through Rhino then. And, and you've got your various plugins that will be used uh, when you speak of parametrics and stuff. You know, uh, some people will apply Grasshopper, et cetera, to that. And um, yeah, you'll go. So we'll go through sketching. We'll go through a process of, of before that thinking and, and dialogue and, and, and research. That'll, you know, and then eventually we'll do iterations through Rhino and, and that will we'll hone in our final design that we will shape with the client. You know, we'll take that on the journey with them. So once we get that selected, it'll go through a rigorous process of architectural uh, practice thinking, almost like the, as like we said, the SD, the DD, CD. Cause that one thing to note that I guess we haven't kind of touched on is like everyone in architecture are architects, which is, you know, funny it's uh, but that's, that, that was actually something from the outset that Daniel and Alex wanted to apply that those principles to the way they did work uh, because like, you know, in some ways in architecture school, we get such a broad understanding of um, how things come together and how we can um, apply that kind of thinking uh, in terms of conceptual thinking, but also having some idea of detailing and some idea of structure to, to small things like furniture that we do. So 
um, today there's been just a lot of architects in the studio and uh, exploring that thinking on different types of uh, of scales. And I think that's I think that's quite nice. And um, yes, yeah, so, so then it'll just go through that process. And and it you know uh, one of the partners uh, or myself will oversee the process. Um, you know I think you know, and, and help with the feedback and the critique of that. But we like to bring in everyone. We like to just kind of like have that around the table discussion and, and let things, cause let things happen, you know, and, and creativity ultimately it's like a, it's a real game. And um, is every, because the team, you said it's around 15 people, if I'm not wrong. I, it can be, but I think we're about 10 now. Um, yeah. I'm curious about, first of all, how does the team so, um, it's so agile that fluctuate between <laughs> like no. one third of the people. And uh, the other thing I wanted to know is that uh, you mentioned Rhino and different plugins. And if every person that part of the team, it's a sort of a multi-role adaptable player. What does I mean? Every person uh, can do everything or you guys also in this small team have a room for, I don't know, a more specialist of the construction design, a bigger specialist in parametric design. How does this work? Yeah, so there's, I think when I say fluctuation, it just depends. Sometimes people will be contracted to come in and help us. So, mm -hmm. uh, but like a fixed staff, let's say we're about 10 and the the structure is there's senior designers designers junior designers and interns so there's about like a few layers to that and usually it's it's, it's a little bit different in, in the terminology to kind of project architect architect junior architect but it's the same idea and um those generally the project lead the senior designers will lead projects with two to three people on each team And so they'll all kind of work together and uh, go on that journey with, you know, myself and Alex, the partner, uh, helping them through it. And um, there's no like specialization. Uh, I would say there's a generalist approach in our studio of understanding um, conversations that we do have on a, on a, on a quarterly basis around, around our approach, I would say, but we are, we, you know, we, what, one thing that's the beauty of the size of this company is, is one thing is the work, but I think, The other part of it is people really get a lot of exposure and experience in a very short period of time because you're coming in and if you're in a big machine, you're, we all know that you become a part of that one. But when you're in a smaller outfit, you kind of take on a bit more, you get a bit more exposure and you, you get to experience much more. So a lot of our team do take on that and they, they can end up being all of a sudden coordinating the consultants for the first time. And you no, know, there's, there's, there's a line there that you need to be carefully managed. So you make sure that there's not too much growth happening too fast, but, um, I, but people have that like want, you know, they want to like, I want to, I want to be able to lead that and we'll scale it per person. You know, we may adapt a certain size to someone that's like, Hey, let's, let's let them lead their a furniture piece. because it's the complexity is a little less, but it gives them all that project management exposure that, people people need you know in 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 our profession it's a strange one because ultimately um i would say as architects you train as an architect and somehow within this industry you're you end up being a project manager as the kind of like next you know the tiers as you go up but it's yeah that's a separate discussion but 
I think we allow, I'm trying to give you the idea of like how it's a bit, it's quite diverse. They're wearing a lot of hats, you know, trying to figure things out. And that's kind of how they, the success of, of being in the studio. And I'm curious by being at such a popular office and studio and all the work uh, made by a small family of people. Yeah, I guess it's is it very hard to to get um, into the family? Like, do you guys have a bunch of uh, applications and then? really the top-notch people manage to, <laughs> you're like the Navy SEAL of architects, so to say that, uh, I don't know, you you go through a bunch of applications and then you really need to get very few people. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny one. I think, you know, in some ways from the exterior, it might seem like it might be kind of a Fort Knox of design to get into, but it's it's honestly because you said the word family it's true so the personality has to fit into the size it's a huge part of it so of course you know there needs to be the skill set and the open-mindedness and the you know abilities the tools the basics but the you know we, we we need to ensure that the person is going to fit into this family basically because If, if it doesn't work out, you know, it's, 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 it's going to create problems amongst a very small cluster of people. So I would say there's, we've, we've kind of adapted our processes we've gone through where we, you know, we've looked at the uh, incredible portfolios and we've also looked at, you know, really understanding who these people are and what, what their personalities are and what their interests are to, to kind of make sure that they are someone who'd, you know, get on well in the studio and and we've started to look at integrating this team into that process you know into the actual hiring process because at the end of the day it's they'll be working with them on a daily basis so i think giving op start opening up those channels are quite important to to yeah build out a strong team because we all know losing someone after a few months is is not uh, productive for anyone and and the and the people that are sort of supporting as external uh I don't know, you say that you have like external support sometimes. sometimes yeah. Um, are just like freelance architects or something kind of, like that? Yeah, kind of. Some of them have worked at the studio and have been out freelancing or doing yeah work like that. So they'll plug into certain parts of the project or stuff like that. Um, it's not fair. Like sometimes it'll be more project management oriented or someone with more technical skills. Um But yeah, nothing very particular like BIM or anything like that. I think it's more um, some production execution stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could imagine. I just was yeah, yeah, wondering. Yeah. No, definitely. It's super interesting to explore this different format, you know, that it's uh, in contrast with this uh, huge Archistar uh, companies and that yeah, has this, yeah. uh, it's small, but it has the same resonance so to say i mean it as you said there was there's so much out there and it was a pure um it was it did i didn't i didn't know about the office but uh a lot of people around me know about the office so i was like uh you know uh as you said it's so nice to get sometimes out of your focus zone and, and discover yeah, yeah. something new um yeah and, yeah I'm curious. Do, do 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 the guys? Do you keep the um, the the company quite small on purpose, like so that it can be this yeah. sort of crossman uh, fairy tale adventure based, based yeah, on the snark map? That's, 
it's certain degree that's probably right you know i think there is a bit of like keeping it at this scale like look you, you take the last even four years three years it's been quite complicated right but we've managed to keep everyone on that journey together you know and, and everyone can speak of how hard the times have been with covid and everything but I think the beauty of, of landing at that space is that you make sure that everyone in the family is still there and we're not losing layers, you know? Um, and, and it's just been consistent. It's just been consistent since day one. It's been like, sure, it was Alex and Daniel at a computer together once, but, you know, they got to a certain point around this 10, 12 mark. And I think that's, they find that's where it works the best. And um, yeah, there's no plans to go under massive expansion yet. <laughs> No, I mean, no. I can I can uh, imagine it. But isn't it also that by keeping it that small and being so sort of a very niche down um, architecture studio, aren't you like overbooked because you have generated sort of like scarcity so that like, I mean, it's not like uh, there are 20 uh, snark architects out there doing the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that I know. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. It, it's uh, it, keeping it at size, you know, I think allows us to focus on quality, you know, and, and what we bring in is, is we like to think that we can put more time and, 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 and intention around rather than having loads of stuff, loads of people, loads, you know, it's, it's more about intentionality and focused on, on what we want to do and, and, and the people we bring in. It's, it's, it's again, intentional around who go on that journey with us. Yeah, sounds great. No, uh, I want to say that um, doing the the Creative Insider podcast started exactly with this idea to to have the opportunity to and a reason to talk to people like you and uh, discover your stories and get inspired. And yeah. it's so nice to really have a little bit of a hint from behind the scenes of you know what I don't. We we live in a world made of images where we sc yeah. scroll yeah. through. And there yeah. is so much more behind, and uh, and uh, I think it's a beautiful media to be able to to share this conversation with the world out there. Uh, so yeah. we we I tend to finish the conversations always with this um, sort of positive note and try to create this uh, pot of inspiration. So I yeah. always ask uh, in by being in a creative industry sometimes we have the battery low and we need to recharge with something that uh, gives us new power for creativity. What is something that inspires you? Maybe a um, movie or a book or, um, I don't know, sports or activity that you like doing that uh, recharge you really? Uh, yeah, well, I think, I think what recharge, recharges me, it, it always evolves, Georgie, but right now it's ancient monuments. So you can take what you want from that. Um, There's, uh, and not just pyramids and stuff, but like, yeah, I'm quite fascinated at the moment with um, uh, a lot of stuff going on around the natural environment and all these ancient structures. And I actually find it extremely inspiring because as we're evolving and as a society, as we've evolved, we've created all this industrialized stuff and complexity. And as I go back through time and I look through what's been done in a very basic primitive way, it's like, this is genius. You know, why, why, why have we got so far away from that? You know, and there's a great show on, on Netflix by this guy called Graham Hancock and it is called ancient, ancient monuments. And, um, uh, I've been on and, and then Joe Rogan has been talking to him a lot as well, actually. So like I do go down these kind of real 
you know, you know, rabbit holes about like things to make me understand better um, the world and, and, and all that stuff. So I would say that, that to me is, is really inspiring. I, I read a lot around anthropology. I'm very interested in, in the writings of like Bill Bryson and um, Yuval. I, I'm trying to think of a second name. It always catches Harari. me. With this. Harari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, these books are incredible because I think, you know, as people, I, design aside, I just, I'm very curious and fascinated by, by what has got us to this point and 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 it, it just gives me more understanding of of uh, when i go out the door why i'm what i'm doing so that's another thing and then an, i'd say another thing and I'm, i i do find inspiration in everything but uh, i love cooking and food and, and for some reason i find inspiration in that as well i'd say i talked to like um the El Bulli, the movement uh, that happened way back. And um, I find that all very inspiring and, and the way that they use food and experiment with food and, and, and that creativity was also something that's on. And these are all on my radar at the moment, you know. I'm sure when we connect again in another point down the line, I'll have a, an, another Rolodex of things that I'm fascinated by. Totally. That's the next thing that I'd say, everyone, that um, the, this was your first time on the Creative Insider podcast, but it doesn't have to be the last one. Yeah, I love yeah. having recurring guests and also all the people at Snark are very welcome if they watch this and they want to share their yeah. own story and they like it. And I want to thank you very much for your time. You have a, a beautiful second half of the day ahead of you in new york yeah. um, what what is ahead of me it's just going to sleep <laughs> so and that's yeah, also yeah, the beauty so of it that we can connect across uh, continents so thank you yeah, very much great. alex for being on the show and um, of course all the best likewise take care thank you for this all right